Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I later found out the full picture of what really happened. It turned out that Mike and Dean had a bet. Mike claimed that all the rumors about me were just fabrications, that I didn't really have any supernatural powers. That's nonsense, Mike said. She probably made it up herself, so no one would pick on her. Okay, let's assume that, Dean answered. Then let's do this. You sneak up on her and touch her arm. Mike tensed up a little. Though he was skeptical, he didn't want to test the rumors on himself. However, the conversation was taking place in the presence of other boys, so the challenge had to be accepted. Okay, I'll do it, Mike muttered uncertainly. Dean smiled wryly. And finally, I show up in this story. It happened at recess. I was getting the books I needed out of my locker when I felt someone touch my arm, just below my shoulder. I flinched in surprise. See, nothing happened, Mike said to the crowd of onlookers. He took a few steps away from me before he slipped and landed on the floor. Hi, my name is Kim, and I'm used to these things. Another non-believer became a victim of his own arrogance and then paid the ultimate price, tragedy and comedy. It's all your fault, it's all you, shouted Mike to Dean, lying on a medical stretcher with a brace around his neck. Dean shrugged guiltily, as if to say, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Here's what happened. About 10 minutes before it happened, the cleaning lady was mopping the floors, and she put up a sign in the hallway that said, caution, wet floor. But for some unknown reason, the sign disappeared. And Mike, thinking that destiny had no power over him, paid for this delusion with a broken neck. <laughs> Poor guy, I thought. That must have hurt. As Mike was being taken by paramedics to the hospital, Dean still couldn't calm down. Did you see him collapse? <laughs> Hilarious! Everyone around me laughed quietly. I went straight to Dean. The guys, seeing me coming, quickly took off, leaving Dean alone. He tried to act all manly, but there was tension and nervousness in his voice. He was clearly uncomfortable standing next to me. Ah, Miss Misfortune, he chuckled. Do you think it's funny? Your friend broke his neck, and you're not even ashamed. It wasn't my fault. I told him to expect trouble if you touched Kim, but he didn't believe me, and that was the result. I wanted to give him a good slap in the face, but I decided to do something different. Anyway, it's your fault. A victim of a science experiment. Oh yeah? <laughs> well then, watch out. Before Dean knew what was happening, I grabbed his arm. The guy froze and didn't move at first, and then, when he realized what had just happened, he let out a wild scream. Ah! No, not again! Why did you do that? Now I'm screwed! Nothing. Just don't cross the road and don't walk under any windows so nothing will fall on your head. And you better stay away from the dogs. Panic overtook Dean. He looked around in panic, waiting for something awful to happen. The miss-misfortune effect worked differently every time. Sometimes it could take a while. Dean tried to figure out what to do, and he decided he had to run. 
Forgetting all about the classes, he ran out into the street and disappeared. I went back to my chemistry class. The curse. That's what I called my ability. The starting point of my misfortunes was my sixth birthday. I don't know what exactly happened then. Maybe it was the magnetic waves or the radioactive substances in the cake. But the following day, the first incident occurred. I hugged Dad as usual, and he, five minutes later, fell down the stairs, nearly breaking everything. Then the curse reached Mom. A hairdryer caught fire right in her hands and burned part of her hair. Thankfully, the flames didn't damage her skin. After a series of mutilations and troubles, my parents realized it wasn't an accident. It was me. It was hard to live without my mother's and father's touch, as if I was in an orphanage. The same story continued at school. I was more careful now, aware of the power within me, but it was impossible to avoid being touched forever. So after a few unpleasant incidents, I was nicknamed Miss Misfortune. Now everyone knew to stay away from me. I accepted my fate and the fact that I would die alone, like in a Charles Dickens novel, surrounded by spiders and cats. One good thing about all this was that no bully ever dared to hurt me. But on the other hand, I never had a boyfriend, because everyone knew how it could end. I didn't believe in miracles, right up until Liam showed up. His parents moved to our town, and he started going to the same school I went to. I don't know how to describe it. I guess I just fell in love. The very first day, as soon as he walked into class, Liam was looking around for an empty seat, and the teacher said he could sit next to me. I flared up and turned red as a tomato. My classmates started whispering, Oh, poor kid gets to sit with Miss Misfortune. We won't see him again. It didn't bother me much. I tried not to look at Liam at the time and pretended I didn't care. They could have Johnny Depp sitting next to me. I couldn't care less. Liam sat down, turned toward me, and held out his hand. I'm Liam. What's your name? I didn't shake it, just looked at the guy sideways. I'm Kim. Cool, he said, and turned back to the board. I rarely saw Liam, mostly in biology and math class, sometimes in the cafeteria. Each time I blushed and could barely get out a high, Liam would smile broadly and ask me how I was doing. I thought he'd figure out what was wrong with me. Rumors about me were spreading all over the school. So, for instance, everyone immediately thought I was getting back at Dean. Remember when I touched him as payback for him deciding to make fun of Mike? Dean ran home from school and locked himself in his room. His parents tried to get in, but he wouldn't open the door. Just screamed that it was the end of him. Dean's parents freaked out and finally broke down the door. The kid was sitting in the corner with his chin on his knees, rocking back and forth, mumbling something quietly. Diagnosis? A nervous breakdown. Yes, sometimes my ability doesn't work literally, but Liam thought all this talk about me was just school gossip. I mean, people say odd things about others. I was glad he didn't believe what they were saying. But on the other hand, I was afraid it might end in tragedy. The situation became more complicated when Liam asked me out one day. I wanted to say no, but I just couldn't. He was the first guy who'd ever shown any interest in me. I should have told him the truth, that he was in danger, but I didn't say anything. In the evening, we went to the amusement park. I took every precaution I could. I wore a sweatshirt with long sleeves. I even put my mother's gloves on my hands. I looked ridiculous and weird. Are your hands cold? Liam asked me as soon as I left the house. Yeah, I answered, trying to avoid the subject. 
My aunt is the same way. She wears gloves all the time. I smiled stupidly and we walked to the park. Surprisingly, we had a great time. Riding the wheel, Liam won a teddy bear in a throwing contest and gave it to me. I struggled to carry the huge toy around with both hands. It kept slipping out of my hands. Without the gloves, which were noticeably too big for me, it would have been much more comfortable. I had to risk it. Liam saw that I was about to drop the bear. He decided to pick it up and carry it himself. <sighs> and that's when he touched my hand. I dropped the bear and said, I'm sorry, I ruined it. Tears came to my eyes. What's the matter? Liam was clueless. I didn't want to see anyone else get hurt because of me. So without another word, I ran away. Liam wanted to catch up with me, but I'd already disappeared into the crowd. The next day, I found out that he was taken away by an ambulance that night. Turns out he got a severe food poisoning. It was the third victim of my curse this month. Like Dean, I locked myself in my room and didn't come out for a long time. Maybe I should never be around people at all, I thought, trying to somehow figure myself out. But for my parents, there was only one excuse for not going to school death. So even though I felt terrible, I had to go to class. I was always treated with suspicion, but this time the level of paranoia was off the charts. No one came within a few meters of me. Moreover, I noticed some tension even in the behavior of the teachers. I found out later that Mike and Dean were responsible for the boycott. Maybe it wasn't nice what I did to Dean, but I didn't want to hurt Mike. I guess that's how the hurt effect works. No one wanted to figure anything out. I was, by default, the case of every misfortune that happened under the roof of that goddamn school. <sighs> Dad tried to reassure me. Honey, don't pay any attention to them. Yes, my mother said. Children are so cruel. I knew they were cruel, but what am I supposed to do? They didn't have an answer to that question. As usual, I was left alone with my own curse. Sometimes it seemed to me that there were witches in our bloodline, and this was the punishment for terrorizing people in some small town. But I'm not a witch. I can't turn people into toads. I don't make magic potions. I'm just an ordinary girl who, for some unknown reason, has a very unusual ability. Liam was released from the hospital a week later. I was dreading seeing him. What would he say? Would he break up with me? Of course he would. There was not a single positive thought in my head at the time. How could he stay with me after that first date? What would have happened if we became a couple? What if he would kiss me? It's scary to even imagine. They might as well launch me into space to keep me away from all the people I could hurt. I ran into Liam in the hallway. He came up to me with a smile that never left his face and said, Hey, our first date didn't end very well. Maybe we could try again. I couldn't believe my ears. And you're not afraid that one day a brick might fall on your head? No, why should I be? Then, to my surprise, he took my hand and walked me to class. I expected the worst, but nothing happened to Liam that day or the next day. My curse was gone, just like in the fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast. All I had to do was wait for a man who would truly love me. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that I could hug my mother. I could hold Liam's hand as I walked. <laughs> True love really can do anything. What would you do if every time you touched someone, it brought them bad luck? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends.
Hi everyone, my name is Caroline, and I was homeless until the moment when billionaires took me to live in their luxurious mansion. Wondering how that happened? Stay tuned! One cold fall evening, I was trying to find money for food. Well, or just food, I didn't care. Ask me how it happened that I became homeless? Well, my parents died a couple of years ago, and I couldn't live in an orphanage because the local kids abused me. At one point, I ran away, figuring the streets would be easier for me. That night, I couldn't find a cent on the street and had already resigned myself to starving. Suddenly, I saw a well-dressed woman on her way to the supermarket. I immediately ran up to her and tried to steal her purse. Believe me, it wasn't my first robbery. The street dictates its own rules. However, at that very minute, some guy was right next to us. He pushed me away. Get lost, tramp, or you'll be in trouble. He threatened me with his fist. I didn't want to confront him and ran away. Well, now I had no food and money. But the next day, I had a surprise. The woman I was trying to steal from found me outside the supermarket, handed me a full bag of food and a warm jacket. Thank you, but why? You're too good to me. I tried to rob you. I had tears of gratitude in my eyes. I know you had to do it because of the way you live. She smiled. What's your name? Caroline. And why are you on the streets at such a young age? I told her the story of my life. The woman wept and promised to help me. I expected her to give me some more warm clothes and a sleeping bag and lots of food. But what happened next didn't just shock me. It killed me. In a good way, don't worry. A woman arrived in a luxury car with her husband. At this time, I was eating a baguette, trying to stretch it out into the evening. Well, that's it, Caroline. You're coming to live with us now, said my savior and smiled. Wh what? I was so shocked. I choked on a piece of baguette. A girl like you shouldn't be living on the streets. We want to adopt you. Is that what you want too? She asked. Of course I said yes. And who wouldn't refuse in my place? On the way, I was modestly silent and terribly worried. And when we arrived, I was speechless. Now I'm going to live in a luxurious mansion, like a real castle. I was incredibly happy until I saw the guy defending my new mom. Oh, I forgot all about him. I bet he wouldn't be happy to have me in his house. Who the hell is she? He frowned at me as we got out of the car. Nick, this is your new sister, Caroline. We've decided to adopt her. Are you out of your mind? She's the tramp who tried to rob you, Mom. Nick, I get it, but it's my decision and your father's. We always wanted a second child, but you know yourself that we can't have any more. So get a normal kid from an orphanage. Nick, Caroline lives here now. Accept it said the father sternly. Nick immediately calmed down. His father seemed to be an authority he didn't risk arguing with. The boy muttered something to himself and went into the house, slamming the door loudly. Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert showed me my room, which I was absolutely delighted with. A huge bed, my own walk-in closet, lots of new and beautiful things, and a private bathroom. It's like heaven. I couldn't even dream of that. I immediately fell on my bed and cried with happiness. Now I had a home and a family. I'm not alone. But I was having trouble with Nick. 
I tried to get through to him, but the guy was stubbornly ignoring me. But what pissed Nick off the most was that his best friend had found common ground with me. Brian was a nice young man. He treated me like a regular girl, even though he knew I was from the streets. He helped me study. When my parents hired teachers to homeschool me, he talked to me and even taught me how to play PlayStation. And then one day, I overheard an unpleasant conversation. How can you socialize with that tramp? Nick asked angrily. She's normal. It's your sister. She's not my sister. She's the trash of society. I felt so hurt by those words. I couldn't hold back my tears. I went down to the living room and stared at a picture on the wall for a long time. I really liked the painting. I couldn't help myself, so I went and touched it. If you touch it again, you're out of the house. Nick threatened me when he came in. What? If I find you stole something or invited your tramp friends over, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'll throw you all out. I don't want to steal anything. For the first time, I decided to stand up for myself. I'm not what you think I am. And you'd know that if you weren't such a jerk. We would have kept fighting, but my parents came back. They gave me an expensive phone with a bunch of diamonds on it. Nick just snorted and went back to his room. And I was as happy as a baby. The next day, I decided to take a little walk. It was a beautiful day. I was listening to music on my phone when suddenly I was stopped by some vagrants with whom I used to feud. The thing is, I've always been on my own and a lot of people didn't like it. Seeing me in my new clothes and with a cool new phone like this, the tramps just jumped on me without a word, stealing all my money, phone, and even my new jacket. They did me bad and I sat down on the pavement and cried. How bad I felt. But then help came from somewhere I didn't expect. Nick was there. He helped me up and asked me what happened to me. When he heard about the tramps, he called his friends to deal with my abusers. Honestly, my heart almost stopped when Nick and his friends fought the vagrants. The guys took my stuff back and we ran from the cops, laughing for some reason. Nick, thank you so much. I hugged him. You're the best brother ever. The guy blushed and didn't say anything back, but I wasn't offended because his actions were more eloquent than words. When we got home, mom was shocked to see a battered Nick. He brushed it off and said it was okay. My father, on the other hand, was not happy about it. The thing is, my adoptive parents are billionaires and reputation is very important to them. They were afraid of any scandal. So they raised Nick in a strict manner to keep him out of trouble. Nick got very angry when his father told him off. So I decided to console my brother. As it turned out, it pissed Nick off that he lived in a rich family in the first place. You see, money is a weapon to reach some goals, but it's not about happiness. My dad wants me to carry on his business and I want to be a doctor and we fight about it all the time. I even felt sorry for Nick even though I didn't understand him. He had everything since he was a kid, but he doesn't appreciate it because it's not money that matters to him. It's the dream. If he lived in the street, he'd start appreciating everything he has. But then I realized what Nick meant. My father had arranged a business meeting at home with his partners, ordering Nick to attend. I could see that Nick wasn't interested at all. He even got hung up on the phone a few times, for which he received a stern reprimand from father. My father, very cleverly, without descending to insults, humiliated Nick. I felt really bad for my brother. So, 
I stood up for him. Dad smiled at me and said that I didn't understand anything and that he knew better how to make his son happy and more importantly, rich. Nick was touched that I stood up for him and for the first time, he called me sister and hugged me. Thank you. No one ever stood up for me, he said. I believe in you, Nick. Don't give up. Follow your dreams to the end. But I didn't think my words would have that effect on him. The thing is, that night, Nick ran away from home. He left a note in the living room, saying he'd rather be lonely and poor, but happy and free. My parents immediately pulled all the strings to find my brother, and my heart froze with fear. What if something happened to him? Then it would be all my fault. I was the one who encouraged him to follow his dream. Idiot! My parents couldn't sit still, so they went looking for Nick too. It didn't take us long to find my brother. He was surrounded by a gang of vagrants who wanted to get back at Nick for the last incident. They wanted to attack him in a group. We jumped out of the car right away, scared off all the vagrants and took Nick away. Son, that's not manly. You ran away like a coward. I ran away because I'm sick of you. I don't want to go into business. My goal is to help people and heal them. This argument went on all the way. At one point, Dad got so nervous, he lost control of the car. We hit a pole. Nick hit his head hard on the dashboard. My mom and I got scared. Dad seemed fine. My brother lost consciousness, and mom immediately dialed 911. What kind of misfortune is following us? Luckily, Nick wasn't seriously injured, but we were so scared for him. We cried in the room while they bandaged his head. I'm fine, don't worry. He smiled at us. It must have had some effect on my father, and he mellowed. Nick, after all, was allowed to study to be a doctor. He was no longer bogged down with business meetings, which my brother hated so much. But there was another problem. You haven't forgotten about Nick's best friend Brian, have you? Well, he confessed his feelings to me. I was speechless. I didn't see Brian as a boyfriend. He was a friend to me. Nick, on the other hand, was very concerned. He was against us dating. But why? Brian asked. She's my sister and you're my best friend. This is a bad idea. It wasn't so long ago that you didn't think of her as your sister. A lot has changed, Brian. I'm against it. I don't want her to be in a relationship right now and then suffer through a breakup or a fight. Caroline needs to study. Brian didn't like that. Then I had to get into a dialogue and explain to the guy that I wasn't interested in relationships yet. Brian got upset but didn't insist on anything. Eventually, I got used to the luxurious life, and Nick became not just my brother, but my best friend, with whom I could talk to about anything. I'm glad this family came into my life. It's because of them that everything has changed for the better. Would you like to live in a billionaire family? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested to read them. Also, don't forget to share the video with your friends. Bye! I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something flashed. A black shadow suddenly appeared and quickly disappeared somewhere in the back of the room. I got up and decided to look around. Maybe it was my little brother Eugene trying to scare me, but the room was empty. Suddenly, the shadow reappeared, this time in the top corner of the room, right near the ceiling. It frightened me. I didn't know what it could be. The shadow flashed in front of me once again disappeared, then reappeared and headed right at me. I screamed loudly, jumped back, 
and fell on my back. The front door opened. It was my mother. What happened? She saw my frightened face. I looked around. There was no shadow. Nothing. I blurted out immediately. I just fell down. My mom looked at me suspiciously and then carried the groceries into the kitchen. Maybe I was just exhausted and was starting to see things that didn't make sense. Hi, my name is Karen, and lately I've been seeing some weird things that made me question my mental health. But first things first, I had surgery not too long ago, and not the easiest one. I was transplanted with someone else's eyes. I've had problems with my vision since childhood. I wore glasses, had to squint sometimes, but I managed somehow. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. They called me four-eyed, a dweeb, and so forth. I'm sure you all know these typical nicknames, but that I could put up with somehow. However, in high school, my eyesight began to deteriorate drastically. I switched from one pair of glasses to the next, and it helped for a while. Eventually, I couldn't see much. My mother and I went to the hospital. Doctors examined me for a long time. They spun me around, stared at me, used different instruments. Then they sent me to another hospital until the last and most prestigious clinic gave me a disappointing diagnosis. I could go blind. My mom and dad were pretty shaken up by it. I must admit, so was I. What can be done, doctor? Mom asked. Well, there's only one solution, surgery. We need to transplant a set of healthy eyes. I didn't even believe that something like that was possible. The very thought of seeing the world through someone else's eyes made me feel very uneasy. It was a difficult time in my life, but as it turned out, there was more to come. My parents finally agreed to the surgery, but it wasn't that easy. We had to wait a couple of months for a donor to come along, but then the donor's eyes arrived and I finally got the surgery. I was blindfolded for two weeks and couldn't see anything. I was scared because I had no idea if I would see again. The doctors didn't know that either. Finally, they took the bandage off. I saw the outline of my mother's face and then hey. I saw my father and then the room we were in. I cried with joy. My parents cried too. It was an overwhelming feeling to be yes. able to see again. Uh -huh. Everything was beautiful. I went back to school, read books. I had perfect eyesight. Never before had I seen everything so clearly. I felt like I had some kind of superpower, even though I was just like everybody else. But I wouldn't even be telling you about any of this if it wasn't for the side effects. I started seeing some strange things, sometimes even creepy things, that gave me the shivers. One time I remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, turned on the water, washed my face, and then I looked up and almost fainted. What I saw in the mirror wasn't me, but a copy of me. She was smiling at me and waving. I rubbed my eyes and the other me was gone. I couldn't understand what just happened. Am I really losing my mind? I wanted to talk to my parents, but I just couldn't find the right words. What if they thought I was insane? I didn't want to end up in the hospital, so I decided to figure it out on my own. There was definitely something going on with me, and it had something to do with my eyes. I figured there had to be some scientific explanation for it. So I went to the doctor who performed the surgery. I asked him, is it possible the eyeball is damaged and that causes, how should I put this? I hesitated. What? The doctor asked, distortion, strange visions? The man mm -hmm. frowned. Let's examine you, he said after a long pause. 
I was again seated in that creepy chair. They attached some kind of machine to me, and the doctor mm. examined my eyes mm. for about 10 minutes. Then he declared, There's nothing wrong. I don't see any damage. Okay, it's probably just fatigue. If there's anything wrong, come back again. We'll help you figure it out. I, unsure whether to be happy or sad, returned home. Things didn't make more sense to me. So I decided to trace things all the way back to the beginning to find out whose eyes I got. It wasn't easy at all. So I asked Michael to help me. Michael was a hey. friend of mine. We took a sculpting class together for two years. We both hated it, so we soon became friends. At recess, I tried to explain to him what was happening and outline my crazy plan. It's not just some random specs. No, they have faces and they move. Creepy, like a horror movie. Wow, and I thought you were finally going to be able to live a normal life. I can see just fine, but not everything I see, I like. So what are you thinking? Sneak into the clinic at night, locate my file, and find out exactly who my donor was. I could tell mm -hmm. by the look on Michael's face hmm. that he was fighting himself. Mm. I don't know. It's kind of dangerous. And how do we get through security? We could come during the day, hide somewhere, and then come out when the clinic closes. Only after about five minutes, <gasps> Michael said, Okay, let's go. I don't want you running around by yourself. The next day, we went to the hospital. We were walking down the halls, wondering where we could hide. I suggested, <gasps> why don't we find a back room mm -hmm. where they keep all the cleaning supplies and mops? Oh. Okay. Michael agreed. After half an hour, we finally found a suitable back room. While no one was looking, we snuck in and hid in the closet. The closet mm. was cramped, so we had to stand there with our arms around each other. It's a little awkward. Michael said, yeah, I agreed. But then I added, shh, I think someone's coming. And indeed, a woman entered the room. She was folding something for about 10 minutes. And then she went out and we were alone again. What do those shadows look like? What do you see? Michael suddenly asked, well, I don't know. They're long with red eyes. Sometimes you can see the mouth. It's hard to describe. Some kind of black clots. I wonder what it could be related to. That's what I want to find out. Maybe something happened to the person whose eyes I got and now I'm seeing all this. We stood in the closet for four hours. My legs were stiff. It was also stuffy. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the hospital was empty and we crawled out of the closet, eagerly breathing in fresh air. We stretched our stiff legs and arms. Having come to our senses, we headed out on a search mission. At night, the clinic looked creepy. Everything was dark, with only a few dim lights on. What we needed was an archive where they kept all the patient's records. Surely my file would have some record of my donor. I already knew where it was, so we headed over there without looking in every room. Suddenly, something flashed in the distance. At first, I thought it was one of the staff. A guard, perhaps? I touched Michael's shoulder and said in a whisper, I think there's someone up ahead. I looked closer. It looked like a silhouette of a person. I can't see anything. Where? Hmm? Said Michael. Over there. I pointed to where the silhouette was, but no one was there now. Where? I imagined it. Michael let out a sigh of relief and we continued on our way. The archive was on the second hey. floor. We were on the third. After a bit of confusion, we finally found the right door. Is this it? Yes, I said. You just have to be quiet. The office was dark, so I switched on the flashlight on my phone. It was dangerous, but there was no other way. There were several shelves against the wall. It must be here, 
I said to Michael and pointed to the metal boxes with the letters on them. Are they alphabetical? I think so. I need an R. Robinson. Hold the light and I'll look for it. I held the flashlight while Michael went through folder after folder. Did you find it? I asked, growing impatient. No, but... He stopped and then he called out loudly, There! Hush! They'll hear us! Suddenly there was a noise in the hallway. I turned off the flashlight and my friend and I hid under the table. The doorknob creaked and someone came inside. A flashlight beam flickered across the room. You must have imagined it, hmm. came the guard's voice. He shut the door. We waited until his footsteps faded and I finally asked, Did you find it? Yeah. Michael showed me the folder. It said Karen Robinson on it. I flipped through the paperwork and made sure it was what we were looking for. I wanted to figure out on the spot, but Mike said, Come on, let's just take it with us. What? Yeah, and then we'll bring it back. Okay, I agreed. We'll read it outside. We left the office, walked down the hallway towards the stairs, so we can get to the first floor and sneak past the garden to the street. Suddenly, black shadows appeared at the end of the corridor. There were many of them, an entire squad. At first, they stood looking at me. I froze too and couldn't move. Then the shadows lunged at me, and I screamed. Michael didn't understand what was happening. What's going on? He asked. I began to explain that a bunch of black monsters came rushing at me. I ran for the stairs. Michael followed me. I ran as fast as I could. We made it to the first floor. A guard suddenly appeared in front of us, but he was so frightened by my scream, he jumped out of the way. We made our way to the street and ran for another 10 minutes. Michael kept up with me. I turned around to see if the shadows were still chasing me, but there were no shadows. I stopped, and so did Michael. We caught our breath, and that's when the guy asked, Were there shadows? Yeah, maybe they're not real, but I didn't want to check. We stood by the lantern, and I opened the folder. I frantically read everything that was written about my surgery. When I got to the information about the donor, I immediately understood everything. They transplanted the eyes of a man who was being treated in a psychiatric hospital. He had schizophrenia and he was seeing terrible hallucinations. But I thought it had more to do with the brain than the eyes. Yeah, so did I, but who the hell knows? I have to show it to my parents. We went back home. Mom and dad were worried because I never came home from school. But I handed them the folder and pointed to the right document. I explained that I was seeing scary things and that it seemed to have something to do with my transplanted eyes. The next day, my parents made a scene at the clinic, complaining that they weren't informed who those eyes belonged to. They promised me a new surgery. Luckily this time, I didn't have to wait so long. I got the transplant the very next week. I never saw those shadows again, but the darkness still scares me, and I don't like to be alone in a dark room. What would you do if you suddenly started seeing strange shadows? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. My name is Olivia, and my father is an oil tycoon, and I am his only heiress. You're going to think, how cool is that? But it's not. What really stifles me is the constant sense of responsibility imposed on me. The pressure came from a very young age. Olivia, my whole business depends on you. You're responsible for thousands of working people feeding their families. I put my heart into this business, and you can't just let it all go. Those were the words I grew up with my whole life. At the same time, my father constantly had no time for me. 
business meetings, business trips, and disappearing into the office around the clock. I grew up surrounded by servants and nannies. Naturally, my father made sure that I didn't want for anything. Anything except parental love. You see, my mother abandoned me when she and my father divorced. I was only two years old at the time. Because he needed an heir, he offered my mother a tidy sum of money to leave me with him. And you know what? She gladly agreed. She took the money and flew to another country. Throughout my upbringing, she never once called to see how I was doing. More recently, my father put me to work for his company. He got me a job as a manager. He always said that by understanding the whole structure of the company from the ground up, you can achieve a lot. But I don't need that at all. My dream is to be a fashion designer. Olivia, you have to carry on my work. I've sacrificed everything for that. Daddy, I don't want to run the firm. Let Oliver do it. Daddy just sighed heavily and looked at me in a way that made me realize that I had no choice. Oliver was the son of my father's driver, Mr. Stewart. When Mrs. Stewart died, Oliver was only 10 years old, and then Dad offered to help his co-worker help raise his child. He provided them with a cottage, honor estate, paid for a good school for the boy, and then university abroad. Oliver is only three years older than me, but from childhood, he was very smart. He, like me, was supervised by servants and nannies. You could say we grew up together. When I started working for my father's company, Oliver and I started seeing each other a lot. I'm told you're doing a good job. I try to. You know how dad is. He always gets what he wants. That's the quality that made him an oil tycoon. Yeah, but I don't have that quality. That's what you think. Oliver always looked at me strangely, very strictly, and always quickly looked away from me. I even thought that maybe he was jealous of me. As everyone around me said, I was living my life like cheese and butter. Like I've had all the best since being in diapers. But we had one thing in common. We grew up without love or mothers. Every day, Oliver would come and see how I was doing in school. It made me really nervous. I knew it was on my father's orders. Anyway, he was still keeping an eye on the whole process of becoming his heir. Ollie, stop coming around here. Are you following me or something? Tell Daddy I'm fine. He's just worried, you know? It's only natural. Yeah, and you're his personal spy? Okay, go report. And so the days went by. Oliver and I became closer. Sometimes after work, he'd give me a ride home, and the whole way we'd just talk about anything and everything. That's when he told me that my dad didn't send him to spy on me. He was just worried about how I was doing at work. One day, Oliver came in pale as a wall. Ollie, what's wrong? Are you sick? Olivia, your mother is back. She's in your father's office right now. I felt like the ground had fallen out from under me. I don't remember how I got to my father's office, how I opened the door. The whole time, Oliver was following me, afraid I was about to fall over. Mom? What are you doing here? Oh, my girl, how you've grown! Mommy reached out to hug me. What are you doing here? I asked you a question. I was very offended by her. She left me, or rather sold me. She took my father's money and drove off into the sunset. I ran out of the office, unaware of myself. 
I only woke up when Oliver pulled me against him in the driveway. That's when I realized I'd gotten too far away from the office, and I turned around sharply, but Ollie wouldn't let me go, and I just snuggled into his chest and started crying. I hadn't heard from my mother in years, and now she shows up and pretends as if nothing happened? Why did she show up? Did she run out of money? Has she come to ask for more? Maybe she's repented. After all, she is your mother and she loves you. If she loved me, she wouldn't have left me. You need some rest. Let me take you home. Oliver brought me back to the manor. I was afraid to run into my mother, unprepared to talk to her or have her come into my life like this. The next morning I got ready for work, but my father told me to get some rest. It was a good suggestion. I got ready to drive out of town to clear my head. While I was walking to get the car, Ollie pulled up next to me and offered to go with me. Turns out he'd taken the day off too, said he had some errands to run. We drove out to our country house. There was a stable there and my favorite horse, a present for my father for my fifth birthday. We harnessed the horses and rode into the mountains. The fresh air and the ride cheered me up, and Oliver was trying to cheer me up too. We got along so well as children, Ollie. Yeah, it was so long ago. Why did we stop being friends? Well, I don't know. I decided to get an education, to achieve everything on my own, so my father could retire. But that didn't stop us from talking. Olivia, to be honest, I've always really liked you, but I understand that I have no right to even look in your direction. I'm just your driver's son. I couldn't get a word out. I couldn't imagine such a turn of events. I liked Oliver, too, and when I was ten years old, I was already in love with him. But he was so cold and hard to me, and I believed he thought I was just annoying. And then he went to study abroad. We talked about a lot of things that day, and then when we drove home, I knew that I wanted him to always be there for me. That's what I told him. That night was the beginning of the end of my usual life. I tried to live my life as before, except my mother kept trying to talk to me. One day, she caught me alone at work. Darling, let's talk. I only have one question for you. Why did you leave me? It's hard to explain. Your father was adamant. My relationship with him had already gone bad. We were getting ready to divorce, but he told me to leave you with him. Yeah, he offered you money and you chose that over me. It wasn't like that. He said that if I didn't agree to his terms, I would never see you again. He only let me come back to the country when I started working for his firm. There was so much pain in my mother's words that I believed her, and my father had always been a man of steel. I could believe my mother was afraid of him and agreed to his terms. From that day on, we started spending a lot of time together. I told Oliver everything. He supported me and said he would love to see his mom again, too. Every night, Ollie and I went on dates, took walks, and went for car rides around town. With each passing day, he became someone with whom I shared my innermost feelings, dreams, and worries. My father eventually found out about our relationship. He was as angry as ever. I honestly didn't even expect him to react that way. Dad threatened to fire Oliver and his father if we continued seeing each other. He put guards on me and forbade me to leave the house. I was only allowed to go to my mother's hotel to visit her. So, 
Oliver and I decided to run away, someplace where Dad wouldn't find us. We agreed to meet at the same hotel where Mom was staying, and she promised to cover for us. Late that night, Oliver went out to get plane tickets. We were supposed to leave that night, but he left and never came back. I called him over and over, but his number was disconnected. He didn't reply to my messages either. So it went on for a few days, and then my dad's security guards came to get me and took me home. I was so angry at Oliver, and I was also very hurt by the betrayal. When I got to our manor, my father came out. He was very angry and upset. I didn't want to talk to him, but I knew I couldn't avoid it. Olivia, we have to have a serious talk. You're not going to like what I have to say. I don't want to talk to you right now, but I guess I don't have a choice, as usual. I understand you're upset, but there's something you need to know. Then Oliver came in. He couldn't look me in the eye. He knew that he had hurt me. You've got a lot of nerve showing up in front of me, Ollie. Don't be angry with him, dear. He had to do it. Did you pay him money to leave me too? It's not like that, Olivia. When I came out of that hotel, I saw your mother. And then Oliver told me that he saw my mother in the hotel with some man and overheard them talking. Turns out my mother had come here with her new husband. They were planning to steal the firm away from my father with my help. As mother had planned, father and I began to fight a lot, and Oliver was the reason for it. But my mother planned to support me in everything and at the same time, break me and my father up. And when I took over the firm, she would put her husband in the CEO seat and live happily ever after. As soon as Ollie heard this, he immediately went to my father and told him about the situation. And all these days, they were meticulously gathering evidence. My father said he was sending my mother back abroad today, and he told her not to show her face to us. Now he's made Oliver his deputy until I want to run things myself. Or until I marry Oliver. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.